Good morning, brothers and sisters. Today we celebrate the octave, the eighth day of Easter Sunday, what we call the second Sunday of Easter, and so it is very appropriate that I say to you once more, Jesus Christ has risen, alleluia. Better than last week, but not as good as the Hispanics. You gotta work on that, Anglos, sorry. So Bishop Jugas has asked all of the priests of the diocese to read a letter to you on Divine Mercy Sunday. I forgot to print it out, so I'm just gonna read it off my phone. So this is from our bishop. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, Christ our hope has risen, peace be with you. Like Thomas in today's gospel, surrounded by a world of doubts and uncertainties, we have experienced the Lord in our midst and proclaim with Easter joy, my Lord and my God. This past year, Pope Francis invited us to participate in a global synodal process in which we shared our faith, fears, hopes, and concerns. Although the national Catholic participation rate was only slightly over 1%, the Diocese of Charlotte exceeded the national average. After prayerful discernment, and having listened to the lay faithful and the clergy of the diocese, I would like to share with you six pastoral priorities moving forward. First and foremost, I earnestly desire all to renew and anchor their lives in the most holy Eucharist. Busy lives bombarded by distracting and worldly messages can only truly find the peace for which they yearn in the Paschal mystery. Second, while strengthening our communion with Christ, we must in turn allow him to strengthen the communion within our families and the church. Unlike the secular world in which we live, the church cannot allow herself to be fractured by partisanship. The forces that seek to divide are not greater than the Holy Spirit who unites. We must follow our Lord, who prayed at the Last Supper that they may be one as we are one. Third, as a family of faith, we must inspire the youth to find their home in the church. Inherently drawn to authenticity, it is our responsibility to speak to the meaning of true Christian life. Fourth, in a time of moral confusion, we must inspire lives of personal holiness, highlighting the beauty of chaste love. Fifth, we must learn to proclaim the faith in a digital age, that we may better evangelize a culture teeming with secular and contrary messages. Sixth, we must meet the challenges of an ever-growing diocese. In just 50 years of the Diocese of Charlotte, it has grown from 34,000 Catholics in 75 parishes to more than 500,000 Catholics in 92 parishes. And our mission spreads across 46 counties. As a diocesan family relying upon the grace and mercy of God, I ask for your help as I shepherd the diocese to meet the challenges of our day. Finally, I entrust these pastoral priorities to the maternal care of the most blessed Virgin Mary, mother of our God. 
our diocesan patroness. May the peace and joy of Easter be with you all. Sincerely yours in Christ, most Reverend Peter J. Jukas. Thought it would be appropriate to offer an extra Hail Mary for our bishop and his intentions this time. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. If you'd like to read over that letter yourself, I'll put it into the bulletin in, in a week or two, so you'll be able to look over it. This is the letter Bishop wrote in regards to last year's synodal process. If you remember those who participated, it was those meetings and discussions, and the bishop and his team took the information and coalesced it into these six main points that we as a diocese obviously want to work and grow in. Today being Divine Mercy Sunday, rightly so, because Easter, of course, the Easter message is one of mercy, salvation in Christ through the forgiveness of sins. But this Sunday is Divine Mercy Sunday and not last Sunday, precisely because of this gospel reading, where our Lord imparts to the apostles his power to forgive sin. And it's clear that he connects that power with his peace. When he appears to them, the first words out of his mouth, peace be with you. He wants this newfound Easter peace to come upon his disciples and through them the whole church. But in order for that peace to be present, he then immediately says, receive the Holy Spirit, whose sins you forgive are forgiven, whose sins you hold bound are held bound. Now, it's obvious that Jesus, the Son of God, has the power to forgive sins. Obviously, God can forgive any offense against himself, and only God can do that. And during the Gospels, whenever Jesus would tell somebody that you're forgiven of your sins, the Sadducees and Pharisees would get very upset with him. For one simple reason. They said that no man can forgive sins. Only God can, right? If the offense is against God, only God can forgive them. And so they saw Jesus as just a man. They could not recognize that it was God incarnate. If they knew it was the Lord, then of course he has the power to forgive sins. He's God. But their objection was legitimate. Because honestly, it's the same objection that Catholics and Christians in general have about priests hearing confessions and forgiving sins. How can a man forgive sin? Do I need to go to a man to get my sins forgiven? Well, Jesus said you did. Jesus is the man, the human, through which our sins are forgiven. And he is the only one through whom our sins can be forgiven. And he has determined the mode by which we, his disciples, come to him to have our sins forgiven. Now, God is not limited by his sacraments or directives. He can do anything. You know, if you're flying on a plane that's going to crash and you're most likely going to die, and there's no priest on there to absolve you, just make a sincere act of contrition. God's going to be merciful. Obviously, you didn't intend to die in that way suddenly. So, God can obviously forgive our sins outside of confession for a good reason. But there is no doubt that Jesus Christ himself has given this sacrament, reconciliation, confession, 
to the church as the ordinary means of the forgiveness of sins. Again, extraordinarily, it can happen in other cases, but those have to be extraordinary. Not extraordinary, like, oh, that's fun. No, outside of the ordinary. Ordinarily, all things being equal, I, even as a priest, have to go to another priest to get my sins forgiven. And honestly, I would rather it be another way. I'd really rather just be able to sit alone in my room, talk to God one-on-one, and boom, that's it, right? And he forgives me. So it's not surprising that so many Christians think that that's a legitimate way. Even Catholics who know better still fall prey to this idea, this, I would say, temptation. Not only do we know that a man can forgive sins because Jesus Christ is that man, and not only do we know that Jesus himself gave that power to other men. I just read it to you in the gospel today. But we also know, even psychologically, why Jesus created the sacrament of reconciliation the way that he did. He could have done it another way, he's God, but he chose this way for a reason, because it's the best way. You say, Father, it's not the best way, it's difficult. I get embarrassed, I'm ashamed, I don't like having the the priest know my secrets. Well, surprise, surprise. The priest knows pretty much all of everybody's secrets even when you don't want him to. That's his job. Just think about it for yourself as a parent. You know almost all of the secrets of your children even when they try to hide them. Not all the time, but for the most part, they can't hide too much from you. That's part of your job. It's part of your responsibility to have these insights and understanding so that you can help them. It's the same for myself as a priest and any priest. But regardless of that, the reason this sacrament is so perfectly designed and suited for us is because as human beings, when we offend someone or when we are offended, we desire that if reconciliation is to take place, it be done in person, right? It's a very simple rule. So let's say you and I got in a fight, but you live in China. Okay, fine. I may have to send you an email or call you over the phone and say, you know, I'm sorry I can't be there to apologize in person, but I'm sorry. Now, in your mind, you're actually thinking, thank God I'm not there. It's so difficult to apologize in person. But you say it because you know it's true. You know your conscience itself tells you that when you have offended somebody, you should go to them face to face. You should Point out what you have done and ask for forgiveness. And when somebody has offended you, you expect, you want that from them. It's not always possible, but ordinarily, that is the way to do it. It's a human, it's a personal connection in order to restore a broken relationship. God doesn't need that. That's why he can forgive sins in any way. But he created the sacrament of confession and he gave the church this power because you need it. I need it because I'm human. It's my nature, it's how he made me. It's the very design of who I am bodily, psychologically. You cannot receive all of the graces that you need if you don't go to confession to the priest. You can't. Now, I'm not saying God can't forgive you. He can in extraordinary cases. But there are many other graces that we need as people for healing and strength and growth. There's so much there. But again, it's very challenging. It's very difficult, most of the time because of our pride and shame. I'm embarrassed. 
And so the simple reason I often remind you to overcome this embarrassment and shame is what the saints and the fathers of the church tell us. Jesus Christ, who endured so much shame and humiliation to forgive you of sin, deserves at least that you endure this little shame and humiliation to receive it. Don't do it for yourself. Do it for Jesus. He wants to forgive you. He wants you to have his peace. And yes, it is a little embarrassing at times. Offer that up out of love for him, who suffered so much shame and embarrassment for you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.